0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Before the Downbeat A Musical Podcast. I am your host, Ginger, man who is still stuck in quarantine, Mackenzie. And I am joined by the Canadian B. Arthur, the director extraordinaire, who is finding new ways to bring the arts to many. And she is the lady of Muskoka, Autumn
1: Smith. Hello, 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 everybody. <laughs> hello, Autumn. I'm Mackenzie. Autumn, Great. we are
0: doing one of the most epic pieces of musical theater today. It is one of the big shows of the canon.
1: What are we doing? We're doing your roll. <laughs> Or should we say helicopter
0: fans? Saigon.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That was not a very good helicopter. That sounded more like a. a No, I just spit everywhere. No, it doesn't work for me. Yeah. I I don't know.
0: Either way. Yes, we are doing the Macintosh mega hit, Miss Saigon.
1: Complicated bit of awesomeness that it is.
0: It is a controversial piece of awesomeness. Yes. And the more I read up on it, I was like, "Yeah, there are definitely some controversy in here that we're not going to have to talk about today."
1: There are <laughs> some. Yes, there are some. Oh boy. Oh yeah. It's, yes. Yeah, 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 the final question of today will be very interesting. I think you're. I, I think you're going to be surprised with my answer to the question. I think you're going to be surprised with mine as well, because I think we probably both have the same. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect.
0: Um, but I mean, you, this is your show that you chose this week.
1: <laughs> yes. So because, was you know, you chose, popular... you chose the other mega boobie musicals. I did. Musical I, stuff. Did. Like,
0: I took it and, and then I sanctioned it off
1: till season eight on you, so we can't talk about it. Man, Miss (laughs) Saigon's coming before Les Mis. I don't know. I don't know what world we're in. (laughs) Why did I choose this? I, I mean, it's one of those musicals that is haunts me. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I haven't, I haven't listened to it in a really long time, like a Mm -hmm. long time. (laughs) Um, And it's funny, my perception of this musical has changed immensely i mean uh the musical the music the the composition of this is beautiful i'm i cannot i cannot say that it is not beautiful Mm -hmm. however that being said i now wonder whether or not it was their musical to write yeah that is so i chose it yeah because i knew it would be a good conversation
0: (laughs) that is true that is so true like this is going to generate some conversation i think now in the world where we are reflecting on our art and kind of going were we the right people to tell this particular bit of story do
1: we have gone should we have gone this route um, well, I don't think Puccini was the right person to tell this story either. Well, I mean, this whole story is based off a French book, so uh, I know. So, so, I, so it all ties back to the French, either way, um, <laughs> and the uh, the Italians and the yes, you know, French, Italian, well, it's, French. Well, again. It's,
0: exactly, it ties back to that whole Western European Orientalism fascination, because I mean, the story yeah. of Madame Butterfly itself is a very much an Oriental uh story that was that was told anyway and then it you just kind of continued the line.
1: It's so interesting to have this conversation now mm-hmm. because we are in a time of way, way greater sensibility, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. We know better. We know what appropriation is. We know yes. you know it's a discussion that we're having yes. um all the time. And we should be mm-hmm. having it all the time. We should it should be at the you know, there's there has to be a new path forward. Um, there it does. So I think you know, I'm not excusing it. I'm not mm-hmm. excusing this appropriation of voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also like, I'm also sensitive to the the time that it was written in yeah. and there late eighties. Yeah, and even Puccini, like Puccini no one had yes. this conversation during you know, no mid- or, free times or not even Victorian no. times for Cuccini, but during that time, like the 18 to 1900, mm-hmm. yeah. Um people like, you're nuts, what are you talking about? But like the the Miss Saigon just it was before this conversation. Yes. And like the bigger conversations that we're yes. having now, that's yes. not to excuse it. We'll get we'll get into um our last in yeah of whether or not it should be redone um later on but i think you know uh, it's problematic this is overtly appropriating Mm -hmm. this this musical i don't want it to be because it's beautiful it is beautiful it's beautiful um but it's also you know it's Glorifying Western ideals, it's misogynistic.
2: It's
0: very misogynistic. It is. It is very misogynistic. But I do question whether or not it is idolizing Western ideals, because it's written by Frenchmen who are looking back at the Americans in the Vietnam War, going, "I don't know if you should have been there." Like, I, 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 they are, they are asking the question, and really, and really, some of their lyrics are very much kind of pushing on, like they're kind of criticizing like they're kind of taking both
1: sides so, I, they're, they're, they're straddling a line which is kind of interesting like, you know have, but you, you get this you get the vietnamese characters mm-hmm. wanting the american dream and i think that right i i don't know i think there's a better way to do it i think there's a better i think so way too to i think so too but speaking of characters autumn Yes. For people who don't know what
0: the heck Miss Saigon is about, even though it is one of the most known musicals. Mind you, I think it's more well known for a helicopter than for the actual story. Yes. But, uh, what
1: is Miss Saigon about? A helicopter. Just kidding. <laughs> no, it's set during the Vietnam War, and, mm-hmm. uh... Um, the end of the Vietnam War, to be exact. The end of the Vietnam, before the fall of Saigon. Yes. yes, it, it, it borders on pre-fall of saigon by like two days yes and post uh fall of saigon by three years and the Mm -hmm. communist regime taking over yep and um uh it basically is a romeo and juliet story
0: (laughs) it's kind of like titanic with jack and rose where basically you take a love story and set it against a really dramatic backdrop
1: yeah setting Yeah, that's exactly what this is. But it's also R and J, like love at first sight. You know. Well, of course. Uh, Well, so is Titanic. You start in basically Dreamland, which is this brothel.
3: Yeah.
1: uh, Denizen of sin, uh, run by the character, the engineer um and he has found a new uh girl who's a virgin Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. sell off yeah american gi's come in and she meets the love of her life chris they fall instantly in love uh actually kim is bought for chris by his friend john correct? Um, they spend a night together. It's passionate. It's hot. They fall in love. Mm. They have this kind of pseudo marriage, I guess. I don't know if it's really legal. Whatever. To Kim, it's real. To Chris, I don't know if it's real, real. To Chris, it's real in the moment. Um, I don't know if it is. Like I, In the most
0: recent production, you watch him going through that whole scene and he looks the actor playing and play him, uh, play him as a very confused...
1: I can't talk person he reminds me of Matthew Morrison, and you know how I feel about that,
0: <laughs> so either way, so either way so, so they find each other in the bar, she gets bought for Chris, Kim gets bought for Chris,
1: they fall in love, fast forward all of a sudden, three years, oh wait, um her betrothed her, her cousin married, uh mm-hmm. uh betrothed human being, toy comes back mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. finds her. And she says, "I fall in love with someone else." Yeah. And then, fast forward three years later, he is now the commandant of the uh, communist army, the, the People's uh,
0: Commissar,
1: as they the as they People's call Commissar him, Commissar of uh, the, the new Vietnam, the reunified yeah. uh, Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And um, she has had a child
3: Ash, yeah.
1: with whew, Chris. Mm-hmm. But Chris doesn't know about it because he has had yeah. to go back to America at the fall at of Saigon. The fall of Saigon. It's very wildly. um uh What do you call it? Nonlinear in a way.
0: Well, so, it's very cinematic. Where yeah. the, the way the story is told, it's a very cinematic kind of way to go about it. And we'll get into why the fall of Saigon so, was not told in a like, I, I, I like in a linear fashion. So we will get into that. So um, for sure.
1: Um, Uh, toy comes she says i have a child he gets upset he wants to kill the child because that's indecent and he wants to marry her uh, yeah he is her his property (laughs) basically and she kills him yeah they go on the run she goes back to the engineer and starts working for him meanwhile we see uh escape to bangkok Remarried uh, mm-hmm. in America, a wonderful human being named Ellen.
0: We're going to talk about her because I think she's
1: a fascinating character. I love her. I I love her. I love mm-hmm. her. I think she's great. Uh, great character, uh, yes. so, so much better than Chris. Be <laughs> um, better if Chris went and the two of the women raised the child together.
0: Yeah, but she won't. Ki- Ellen's one character flaw is that she can't accept Kim. That is the whole point of Ellen. Well. Mind you, we're, we're, don't worry. We're, we're, we're going to talk all about her because I have things complicated. to say. It is very complicated.
1: It's like an unexpected bomb drop on that woman. Anyway, so uh, we go back and um, Chris finds out that he has a son. Mm-hmm. Thanks to John, who now
0: runs the Gly Foundation.
1: Gly Doy Foundation for um, children uh that were the offspring, offspring of BGI's of GI's yes uh and giving to them and helping them build a new yes. life uh anyway chris and ellen uh decide to go back and see kim and the child mm. and chris uh ellen and kim sounds like a soap opera man uh which it kind of is um, I mean, Ellen meets very operatic. Yes. Oh, Ellen meets Kim. Um, When Kim comes looking for Chris, Kim doesn't Mm -hmm. know that he is remarried. She Mm -hmm. falls apart. She storms out. Ellen sings one of two beautiful songs, depending on which production. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That that way, you'll talk about her songs. We'll talk about. It and they go and meet the son and Kim, mm-hmm. deciding the there's no future, uh, kills herself, and dies in Chris's arms.
0: At yep. The aisle. Yep. Thus ends the play.
1: Super happy
0: ending. Yeah, it's it's a very dark ending for a musical. Like, at least even the play miss, they give it a nice happy button. Here it's like no, she's dead, and we're closing the curtain on you right now. Well, no, like no resolution here.
1: Very Sweeney Todd.
0: Yeah, but even Sweeney Todd ha- ha- has that nice button uh, 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 of the ballad reprise at the end where all the bodies and people come back and talk. Here, it's just like dead and done. How is that happy? How is that
1: happy? Well, it's that... well, well it's dead, it's, it's, but I'm going to sing you a song about this guy that killed me. Yeah but, it's, yeah, but it's
0: that cathartic bookmark for the audience where like they go, oh, we started this way, we're going to end this way. There's still that detachment. Here, it's like Tragedy. you get no cathartic ending you are literally like like you know like, like you were just we're gonna drop the curtain right after that gunshot basically because there's not I mean, much that's in his arms yeah but it's like 20 30 seconds but then it's like you're done like you're still really from that moment in the show ends like like even west side story had a longer ending after tony gets shot here it's like that's it like, you
1: go? are we gonna see the 10 of
0: eight Ben? Well, I mean, well, I mean, well, I mean, you could have some nice resolve where Ellen says, "Yes, Chris, we're going to take his, we're, 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 we're going to honor no. him and take yeah. the son." I don't know.
1: <laughs> no, leave it, leave it, leave it. Oh, alone. you
0: have to leave it. Trying, it's a great ending. It's just I think it's one of the most darkest endings you get in musical theater. Yes, it is. It's
1: very so. dark. Yes. So that is the very epic soap opera storyline. Yeah and the, side the engineer travels with kim he's kind of the fool of the play he's the fagin character
0: he's the fagin uh, slash innkeeper from les mis just now promoted to a lead role versus a supporting character
1: yeah
0: yeah i guess he's absolutely a tenority you can definitely see the ties to nerdy with the fact that like both the Thenardier and the engineer run this kind of seedy, brothel-y shop. And then ultimately, they're both schemers who are just trying to move up the the, the social ladder. Like, uh, they're both trying to become the beggars at the feast, uh, uh, as Thenardier calls it. The well, Malvolio yeah. syndrome. The uh, Malvolio is at least a little more likable. Like, here, the engineer is downright awful
1: he's an oh, awful person so interesting because for the first time i actually liked him
0: oh 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 absolutely oh trust me the engine like uh, uh uh um john john brionis who played him in, in the production i sent you Phenomenal. was wonderful he played it he played that role such heart you actually did care for the engineer but ultimately that character though on the page is not a nice person <laughs> You got to do some serious legwork to make him a likable character, while still keeping the serious side of who he is.
1: But again, That's, yeah, he's he's wanting something. He's wanting freedom.
0: He's wanting the American dream. Yes. So we're gonna get into that, but why don't we talk about the production team because we wow. got a whole new group, and it is, and it, this is a big one today.
1: There are so many. So let's start oh. with the original source material. mm Hmm. And I'm going to say his full name because it's entertaining. Okay. Uh, So this musical is based on two sources. It's based on a photo from the Vietnam War, correct? Which we'll talk about. Also based on the opera *Madame Butterfly*, written by one Giacomo Antonio Domenico Michele Secondo Maria Puccini. Huh?
2: (laughs) Not bad.
1: Um, He was a composer and a obviously, Italian composer yeah. uh, from um, during he was born 1858, died in 1924. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he is called the greatest composer of Italian opera after Verdi. Wow. So um, I know. Well, he wrote the biggies, right? Puccini's mm-hmm. early work was rooted in traditional late 19th century romantic Italian opera. Um, And he is known for works like La Bohème, which we will talk about at length uh, during Rent. Uh, yeah, we will. Rent, Max, Vega, Tosca, uh, Madame Butterfly, of course, and mm-hmm. Toribot, mm-hmm. Um all of which are probably amongst the most prolifically produced operas of our times. Yes. Um, so he was, the 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 opera was the basis of that. Mm-hmm. Then we have the composer and lyricist. I'm going to tag team them because... They he, are a tag team. <laughs> they have worked together all the times. So yes. we have Claude Mich- Michel Schoenberg and Alan Boubile. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, both um, both born in France, French mm-hmm. friends, um, they began uh, with the musical uh, rock opera La Révolution Francaise. <laughs> and this was France's first rock musical in 1973. Uh, fun fact... Uh, Claude-Michel Schoenberg also played the role of King Louis, the 16th in the show's production that year. Oh, there you go. Hmm. Um, uh, they then went on uh, in 1978 uh, to create more musicals. I mean, they both had little things that else they mm-hmm. were doing. Schoenberg uh, was writing um, songs like Le Premier Pas, uh, mm-hmm. which became a French hit. He also wrote a French version of Waterloo for ABBA, which they wrote. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Boubile um, was doing a French translation of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Cool. And then <laughs> magic happened when they decided in 1978 to devote their time and their combined energy to working solely on musicals together. God bless them. And they started with a little uh, known entity called Les Miserables, uh, <laughs> which is one of the most famous, most heavily produced musical of our time. Um, yeah. Then in 1989, they came together with Macintosh and created Miss Saigon. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then in 1997, Schoenberg & uh went on to produce Martin Gare. Uh, the musical won an Olivier Award and went on to uh, go through the States and the UK. But was Martin it- Gare? Martin Gare, yeah.
0: I I I don't know if it made it to the states side. I know I know it didn't make it to Broadway.
1: No, it did. It did. It did come to the states, but I don't think it came to Broadway. Okay, there we go. That makes sense. Um, uh, in two thousand and one, Schoenberg composed a ballet, *Weathering Heights*, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. for the Northern Ballet Theater Company, mm-hmm. and then they again combined their efforts and created *The Pirate Queen*, a musical. Mm. 16th century irish pirate uh grace o'malley um it it completed an eight week pre-broadway tryout uh and then underwent further development in preparation for broadway um the broadway opening date was april fifth, two 2007 but did not do well it was one of the largest commercial flops in broadway history interesting i wonder why Schoenberg also went on to do Marguerite, um, mm. music by Michelle Legrand and Herbert Ratzmier. And now we're here. Now we're here. They're, they're a little... Bada-bing, bada-bing, No more pirate queens for them. Schoenberg is a composer. Boubile is the lyricist, book writer. Mm-hmm. But he had a co-lyricist slash book writer on this show. The Tribu- As they do with *Blame is, Yes. And Richard Mulvey Jr., uh, a phenomenal, phenomenal Mm -hmm. human being. He uh, went to Yale University and his first Broadway credit was in 1968 when his song, The Girl of the Minute, was used in the review, New Faces of 1968. Um, He, let me just see. Uh, he went on to work with David Shire to, um, do Baby, which is, we should talk about Baby, actually. Okay. Uh, my friend Catherine Cox was in the original Baby. Oh! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he also was a lyricist for Big, uh, the musical, also, with Shara, he conceived and wrote the lyrics for Take Flight, um, which had its world premiere in 2007 at the Menier Chocolate Factory in London. Uh, he was a director co lyricist for Lloyd Webber's Song and Dance and for Miss Saigon. Mm-hmm. He also uh, conceived and directed Ring of Fire about Johnny Cash uh, mm-hmm. and was a co book writer lyricist for Pirate mm-hmm. Queen that massive success that we just talked about yeah uh, he also fun fact in a canadian connection the mm-hmm. uh junior also worked on the story of my life with neil bartram and brian hill who did the theory of relativity oh there you go uh, mm-hmm. the musical had a brief run at the booth theater and received a Drama Desk award nomination there you go uh, yeah, he, he is also, this is a Maltby fun fact, he also constructed cryptic crosswords for Harper's Magazine. <laughs> Richard Maltby Jr. Very interesting. He also, yeah. coincidentally, sent one or possibly more of his children to Stage Door Manor. Oh! He came into the talk when I was there. Look at you! Ta-da. Um, all round. I know this man. That is that is wonderful. I don't know him. Then who's next? Uh, yeah, who do we got? We move on to Monsieur Directeur. Yes, well, Sir Nicholas Robert Heitner. Yes. And I think this might be the first time we have talked about Mr. Heitner. So I'm. He, it is. Gonna be a little. It is Because I love this man. I think he is amazing um so he uh was the director of Miss Saigon obviously that's why we're talking Mm -hmm. about him but also Mm -hmm. of the shows The History Boys which is one of the places where James Corden first got his first shot at uh, awesome and then he directed One Man, Two Governors starring Ah, James Corden Mm-hmm. Um, Heitner uh, was born in Manchester He uh, went to university in Cambridge Where he studied English Then uh, he, he was doing some acting However, he did not consider it his strong point <laughs> So he directed uh, some productions Including uh, The Rise and Fall of the City of Mahogany By Kurt Weill mm-hmm. and Bertolt Brecht Mm-hmm. Um, after leaving Cambridge, Heitner's first paid job was an assistant to Colin Graham at the ENO, the English National Opera.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He is a big opera guy. Heitner directed okay. opera, which makes sense to For direct this. something like the scale of Miss Saigon. Yes. Like, I can't, if you, if you cannot direct mm-hmm. opera, you cannot direct something of this magnitude. So he he did a lot of opera, did a lot of work with Kent Opera, Wexford Festival Opera, and the ENO. He was hired by Macintosh to direct Miss Saigon because Macintosh had seen his work on Handel's Xerxes and Mozart's magic mm-hmm. flute, mm-hmm. as well as some of the classical plays. And he thought, uh Macintosh thought he had a marvelous, marvelously visual point of view. Mm-hmm. Um so I guess when you have a helicopter. <laughs>
0: oh, actually, actually we're, we, we, we're going to get into his opinions on the helicopter because they're actually very interesting. I bet.
1: I bet. Um, Heitner says, for me, it just felt like a huge lark. It was gigantic. And I was into gigantic at the time. So I threw everything mm-hmm. I knew at it. It was big, honest, moving, rash, kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that it would take off. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Love it. I love it.
3: Um,
1: In 1990, he was appointed associate director at the National Theater by Mm -hmm. uh, then artistic director Richard Eyre, who I have a huge, huge uh, respect for. Um, And he went on to direct Alan Bennett's Madness of King George, which consequently became his first film. In 1994, Richard Eyre announced that he would be leaving the National Theatre in after a three-year period, Mm -hmm. Uh, and he tried to encourage Heitner to apply for the job. But Heitner said that he basically wasn't ready. And Mm -hmm. then someone, um, he said, "What did he say?" I'll I'll give you his quote. Uh, It made me begin to think about the vision that is needed to to in such a position and the fact that this needs refreshing under every directorate. I very much felt that you have to have a big idea in order to put yourself forward for such a role. And Mm. as I didn't have this kind of idea at the time, I decided not to apply. Yes! Good for him. Man, you got a lot of integrity. Mm Mm-hmm. More of you, please. Uh, So Heiner went on to direct more films, The Crucible with Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, yes. With that earlier, uh, the sure. object of my affection and center stage. Um. Uh. He also fun fact. Going back mm-hmm. to Chicago, he spent 15 months developing a film of the musical Chicago, um which was set to star Madonna. Oh, I don't think that works. No, but the 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 project didn't. It, it just it didn't happen, and it went. Thank on. God what it was going to be with rob marshall um, much better so um after air left the person that got the directorate was one trevor Nunn. i
0: spoke to say trevor Nunn because somewhere shows up in this national theater yeah story
1: so however after none left Heitner felt that it was finally his time um to step forward and be be the new artistic director of Good for him. Amazing space. Um, And he took over from none in April, 2003. Uh, Under his leadership, the National innovated with Sunday openings, live cinema broadcasts of the National Theater Live Sort. Great. That's thanks to Nicholas Heitner. Good. Well, it's fantastic. I I love NT Live. He offered large numbers of reduced seats to people's to make theater accessible to everyone like talk about creating a lasting change yes a legacy rather Mm -hmm. than trying to band-aid the problem and i wanted to give him his just due because i don't know if we'll talk about him again he's more of a drama guy yes big this was his big musical and i think you know he he really has done great things for theater in England, mm-hmm. um, and he he um, he created genuine response mm-hmm. to making a better national theater, and I think mm-hmm. that's amazing. Um, Heitner is on the board of trustees of the Royal Opera House, and uh, he is a patron of the London International Festival of Theater, High Tides Festival of Theater and the Shakespeare Schools Festival. Beautiful. Um he was elected an honorary fellow of Trinity Hall Cambridge uh, and was visiting professor of contemporary theater at Oxford. I love that. Good He's for a him. Big professor. Yeah, steal that. Mm-hmm. I like that. I'm just dropping in. I have things. <laughs> <today>. <laughs> I you, professor. You know, visiting professor. Oh, I No, I'm a visiting professor. Um, Thank you, Nicholas. I'm stealing that language. (laughs) Uh, Heitner was knighted in 2010. Mm -hmm. And in 2014, the Royal Northern College of Music announced it was to confer honorary membership of the college upon him. Mm -hmm. Um, And in uh, 2014, he was awarded an honorary fellowship of the Royal Academy of Arts. Mm -hmm.
0: He's basically done it all now
1: people know people see that he has made change um now the show wouldn't be anything without like the insane uh choreography and musical staging which was up to bob avian Mm -hmm. an american choreographer theater producer and stage director bob is born was born in new york um and his early career was uh, basically he divided his time between dancing in shows such as West Side Story, Funny Girl, and Henry Sweet's Henry, and being a production assistant on uh, shows like I Do, I Do, and Twigs. Um, he uh, went on um, to work uh, with Michael Bennett, and the mm. two collaborated on Promises, Promises, Coco, Company, Follies, Seesaw. God's Favorite, a chorus line, Ballroom, and a Dream Girls. Avian's first credit as a solo producer um, included putting it together and a revival of a chorus line. Hmm. Um, in London's West End, he choreographed Follies, Martin Gare, The Witches of Eastwick, Miss Zagon, and a Sunset Boulevard. And he also staged, hey, Mr. Producer, the Camera Macintosh tribute. Beautiful. And the last person I'm going to touch on very, very quickly. There was a helicopter on stage, and I have to mention the designer, John Napier. Yes. Phenomenal uh, resident designer with the Royal Shakespeare Company, where he did Hedda Gabler, Mackers, mm. King Lear, Mother Courage, Nicholas Nickleby, Peter Pan. He also worked Mm -hmm. at the Royal National, where his big hit was Equus. He also Mm -hmm. did Peter Pan, Candide South Pacific, West End on Broadway, Cats, Les Mis, Time. Mm -hmm. We should find out about Time because I had a friend that went to see it. Okay. I I do
0: not know that show.
1: Miss Saigon, Starlight Express, Baker's Wife, Sunset Boulevard, Jesus Christ, Superstar, Jane Eyre, Gone with the Wind, and opera he's done uh work with the Covent garden Blindborn, born and the met
0: boom, boom. but yes the vi- creator very iconic pieces of set from the chandelier to the barricade to the helicopter to the floating tire and cats Everything. he is the man to create the iconic sets that we know in theater all of them. there we go so, following the smashing success of Les Miserables, uh, Bublé B- B- and Schaumburg set about creating the next big hit for Cameron Mackintosh. The musical was inspired by a photograph Schaumburg found inadvertently in a magazine. It showed a Vietnamese mother leaving her child at the departure gate at the Tan Son Hoit uh, Air Base to board an airplane headed for the United States where the child's father, an ex-GI, would be in a position to provide a much better life for the child. Schoenberg considers this mother's actions for her child to be the ultimate sacrifice, a central idea that came uh, into the plot of Miss Saigon. Uh, In the middle of 1986, the D.O.O. presented Macintosh with a cassette of the first act, sung in French, Uh, but that cassette would then be used to help uh, convince other people to join the team. so from the cassette, the worldwide team was assembled, as well as a worldwide audition search began. Macintosh recruited Richard um, Maltby Jr., who we talked about with Autumn, to translate the lyrics into English. McIntosh felt it was necessary to have an American lyricist on this particular project as it would capture the American side of the story better. Uh, Maltby initially, uh, turned Macintosh down as he felt the story about the Vietnam War was still too soon for American audiences to watch. But after the release and the uh, success of the film Platoon, Malpe changed his mind and joined the project. Uh, the trio worked through the musical in sections and certain elements remained the same throughout, such as the fall of Saigon occurring in a, in a flashback midway through Act 2. And the reason for moving it into Act 2 because they felt if they had it in Act 1 then there'd be no real major events in Act 2. and Basically kind of be a bunch of minor events kind of plunked along in Act 2. So they kept it in Act 2 to keep that energy up. And also they knew the audiences were going to be expecting to see the fall of Saigon. And so because of that they're like let's delay it so audiences have something to kind of continually look forward to. In the show, uh, Maltby's proudest moment, though, in, his, in the writing process, was writing Chris's breakdown in Act Two, uh, as he felt it made Chris a more rounded character and truly represented the Americans' uh, thoughts and feelings about the Vietnam War. Uh, the most difficult moment to write for, for for Maltby and the team was Ellen's song in the hotel room after she meets Kim. This was difficult as the audiences are invested in Kim. Yet they also didn't want to villainize Ellen and tried to make her as sympathetic as possible. So they wrote a song called Her or Me. which opened in the West End. Uh, However, they felt it was too cold and selfish. And it was changed to the song, Now That I've Seen Her, in the show's London run uh, the 11 o'clock number The American Dream uh, took quite a bit of figuring out uh, because the original concept lacked a catchy lyric and, and a, full, in a, in a, in a full concept uh, it nowhere in the original version of the script did the phrase The American Dream ever appear however it was a uh, roughly translated line from, from, from the song the movie In My Mind so they had that line just lying on the table. And then when they were trying to rework that number, Bublio realized that the phrase, uh, the American dream fit perfectly with the melody. So ultimately when that happened, it just unlocked the door for, for them. And thus the American dream was born.
1: That's so interesting. Right? That it came from movie in my mind. It is. Well, yeah, because the original title in French
0: movie, in my mind, roughly translates to the American dream. But they felt that didn't quite work melodically with that song. So they kind of changed the song to the movie in my mind. But they still had that line just lying around and ultimately kind of just was like, oh, we have that. We can use that. So once again, creation process. Never throw out your notes when you cut, a so- cut something. It could come back later on as, as, an, as a little gem. Or sometimes it's just a bad idea that should be cut. Um, Then, at some point during the writing process, it was thought they were going to take a note out of the Lloyd Webber and Rice book and make a concept album featuring pop singers doing various songs. And it went as far as having pop versions of the song written, and the album was started to be uh, recorded until Macintosh stopped everything and pulled the plug as he felt it demeaned the show. So that was it. Uh, the other big thing was that Kim had an extra ballad in the show called Too Much for One Heart. However, they felt the show was already very weighed down with ballads. And they are like, can't do it. So they cut the ballad, but kept the melody and turned it into the song, Please, in Act 2 instead, which works much better as it is a duet.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So
0: we it was just the duet sung between Kim and John when John comes to meet Kim. TAM mm-hmm. at, uh, at the brothel where Kim is working. But there we go. That's the writing part of the story. Uh, so when it came to hiring the director, MacIntosh turned to national theater director, uh, Nicholas Heitner to do that. We just gave a big, long bio for him. Love him. But, yeah, but Heitner was first intrigued by, for the concept by doing Mountain Butterfly set against the Vietnam War. He thought that was a great idea for a show. And so he was like, "Yeah, sign me up." So Cameron McIntosh gave him an early draft of the script and the cassette in French of Act One because that's all they had from Bouglione and Schomberg. Uh, but he signed on to work right away and helped start it. And he started to solidify the show. His goal was to ensure the staging of the show had that cinematic quality while still being able to go in for the close up of the four central characters of Ellen, John, Chris, Kim, and I guess the engineers. Five central characters. Uh, but either way, this whole thing was to do this mix of wide cinematic ensemble moments with a zoom in on, on these particular characters.
1: Well, I think he had massive success with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he aesthetically, did. aesthetically mm-hmm. this is a cinematic masterpiece on stage. It is. It is. Like everything, I was watching, I was watching this first and I'm like, is this the, a- is this a film version of it, this? It's pretty darn close.
0: It's pretty darn close. Like uh, that, uh, yeah. That's yeah. his that's
1: his touch. I mean he yes.
0: was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there we go. Uh so the one element that was already built and decided upon before he was hired, though, was the iconic helicopter. So Heitner, however, was not a fan of this set piece slash prop. <laughs> He was not, he felt the show didn't need it and that it was more a vanity gimmick than, a, than an essential part of the show. However, he realized that he that, 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 that you could not do the main, the big scene without it and that it was definitely going to be a major marketing feature to help sell the show to audiences. So the other major thing that Heitner has come out saying he regrets about the original production is that in the opening of act two for the Bui moment, there's arch- there's an archive video that is shown in all the productions. That's something that Heitner worked on with, an, um, with a film archivist to create, and it is something that he has vehemently said he regrets ever doing. Uh, as he felt that, so, well, he, sorry, to quote him directly, he said, I was horrified and upset by the fact when I saw this moment occur on stage as this, Fake fundraiser was using and exploiting the distress of real children not to raise funds on on their behalf, but to create three to four minutes of theater. Mm. Uh, Yeah. So while this one has impressed audiences, particularly on the state side of things, Heitner has always felt it should be cut from the show. He says you could do the number without the video. He, He says my original concept of basically John showing a video at a fundraiser you don't need the video to to make to make that moment work. However, he has been repeatedly voted on cutting the video by by the production team.
1: So that is why it has yeah. stayed. I, you know what I love? I love when a director looks at their work mm-hmm. and, and self-edits.
4: And yes. Says,
1: no, there's this is unsavory. Yeah. Like, bravo, Nick. Like, yes. this is why I have full respect for this man. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is, he is someone that is a vehicle for change. So
0: the toughest part of him uh, directing the show was when he had to direct the mundane or least susceptible musical scenes for treatment. So basically like the scenes in the hotel room where basically you're just in a hotel room. He's always said that was his most difficult part of directing. Because He goes, I can direct any big cinematic epic moment. That's easy. It's when you got to do the simple moments on stage that become challenging. Um, but there we go. That's kind of Heitner's notes well, he on the was, creation process. He
1: was not doing a lot of theater at the time. I mean, he's refined no. still, obviously. Yes. But opera, it's all about the aesthetic. Correct. It's not about the intimacy between two characters on stage. No, right? absolutely. It's about showing the audience, not inviting. Correct. Him. Correct. But I think it's, it was good for him because I think it, you know, sharpened his teeth a little bit absolutely go. absolutely yeah okay so
0: auditions uh for the show were worldwide it was a big publicized hunt mm-hmm. for the lead of this show the, the audition was held in manila in the philippines and then in manila they found their kim who was Leia salonga mm-hmm. that like she steals my heart like she is wonderful you she is the bo- singing voice of Princess Jasmine and the singing voice of Mulan in Disney. She has played both Eponine and Fontaine in Les Miserables. Uh, and she just played Mrs. Lovett and Sweeney Todd. Uh, awesome. I love that. So she, she that. is a, she, she also is on the um, um, Philippines, the, uh the voice uh like reality show as one of the coaches. No way. Yep. Yeah. So she is oh, there. Great. So great. yeah. And she, it, yeah. And she also just did a production of Fun Home. So the last Longa was our Kim. Uh mm-hmm. and uh to contrast that, however, while they did a big search for a female uh Asian actress to play Kim, they didn't really do that for the other two uh male male Asian characters, which are the engineer and Toy. Yeah. Uh Instead, they ultimately cast <coughs> Jonathan Price uh, as the engineer. Uh, Yet yeah, he had never done a musical before, uh, so he was brand new to the scene of musicals. He was a big stage actor at the time. He wanted well, do- Phantom. He petitioned
1: <laughs> for that role. I can I can see him doing Phantom though. I can see oh, him like doing a Phantom. A thousand percent. I would kill to see that actually. Mm-hmm.
0: But yes, Jonathan Price, Academy Award-nominated actor. He is also Governor Swan in Price of the Caribbean. He was the High Sparrow in Game of Thrones. He just played Pope, or uh, Pope, um, what's his name? Pope Benedict? No, sorry, Pope Francis. He, he just played Pope Francis in Two Popes with Anthony Hopkins. Uh, but he, yes, he's a fantastic actor who, unfortunately, was cast in a part that I don't think was fully meant for him.
1: And I have to say, uh, I got to see him live do the engineer no i've never seen the site online oh right right no i saw him do pinter's caretaker ah okay i can see that it was i can
0: totally see that it
1: was unreal it was unreal
0: well he's jonathan price i mean the guy can do no wrong i love him um he's a wonderful stage actor so he was cast as the engineer um but once again, it was the one thing that created some controversy, which we're going to get into momentarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other person, that, the other big name that was cast was Simon Bowman, who was part of the original production of Les Miserables and had recently taken over the role of Marius, which is where Macintosh spotted him and popped him out to play the role of Chris. Also, another original Les Mis alum, Peter Polycarpo, who plays john was also one of the original barricade boys mm. as well so and he brought him out to play john as well so there we go uh on july the 3rd the first rehearsal was held uh the rehearsal period lasted a total of eight weeks uh during the rehearsals uh the production started facing its round of criticisms particularly with the casting of Keith Burns as Tui and Jonathan Price as the engineer as they are both white actors playing um, Eurasian and Asian characters. And they wore mm-hmm. eye prosthetics and bronzed their skin. <clears throat> uh, this very much made people relate that to a minstrel show. It's very blatant yellow face as, as, as people would call it. Uh, and it wasn't the biggest, best thing for the production to do.
1: But they changed it, didn't they? Not yeah, till they
0: later altered- on in the run.
1: Yeah, but they altered the prosthetics. After.
3: They
0: did alter the prosthetics, but they still like, if you watch the original documentary, that you can still see them adding on some type of prosthetic to make, to get, to, to to give them, to particularly give the white actress more oriental look, which yeah, it's a thing. That happened. Not the best thing for them to do. Cameron McIntosh, not your best moment. Uh, it, the show opened uh, at the Theatre Royal, Drury Lane, on September 20th, 1989, with the cast including Lea Salonga as Kim, Jonathan Price as the engineer, Simon Bowman as Chris, Peter uh, Policarpo as John, Claire Moore as Ellen, and Keith Burns as Toy. I... Sorry, Tui. Tui.
1: Claremore, love her. I love her.
0: Don't I? Don't know much about her. She's not one of the actresses because I know like down the road, like Ruthie Henshaw's played Ellen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna get into who played it on Broadway. Who's another very famous actress who did the Broadway run? But yes, Claremore, fantastic. Um, uh, there's show was is... that
2: Peter Yobek yeah. of
0: West Eastwick took over Chris. Ah, okay, I can see that. Yep, I can see that. Ninety-seven. There you go. Ta da. That, that totally works. I can see that working really well. Uh, the musical did receive very good reviews uh, from a few outliers who criticized the show for doing the topic of the Vietnam War in a musical setting. They were like, you shouldn't do that, but what are you going to do? Funny though, a lot of the positive reviews came from people who gave Les Miserables negative reviews and it came out. So, talk about a. 180 change
1: of, of leader critics but i kind of wonder if they were making up for their stupidity probably <laughs> it's like yeah. i wonder if they ever backtracked i wonder if they ever took it back
0: well think about it lamest came out it didn't get great reviews from from critics but yet audiences swarmed to the show and basically said so screw the critics we like we like the show and then they get a second chance with this team yeah and kind of go oh well, i guess we were wrong we were right this actually it proves they're
1: still relevant
0: correct And people will listen to them exactly uh the original london production was nominated for four olivier awards mm-hmm. but only won two for best actor and best Actress for leia salonga and jonathan price it lost best musical to Return to the Forbidden Planet, which is a sci fi
1: adaptation of The Tempest. No. Yep. No, you're lying. Nope, that's what it lost to. Well, wow. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. In December 1994,
0: mm-hmm. the London production became the Theatre Royale's Drury Lane's longest running musical, eclipsing the record set by My Fair Lady. Wow! Uh, it closed on uh, on October thirtieth, nineteen ninety nine, running a total of four thousand two hundred and sixty four performances. So there you go. And what it, was it
1: Theater Royal right after?
0: Witches of Eastwick. Da da da. Yes. So the show it closed nineteen ninety nine, but then uh, it did make the Broadway transfer in the spring of nineteen ninety one. Uh, however, the transfer faced several hurdles in regards to Jonathan Price and Leah Salonka coming over with the production. Oh. So, the production, uh, when it transferred from London uh, London to New York, the Actors' Equity Association refused to allow Price, a white actor, to recreate the role of the Euro Asian pimp, uh, 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 the engineer in America. As Alan Eisenberg, the executive secretary of the uh, uh, um, Actors' Equity explained the casting of a Caucasian actor made up to appear Asian is an affront to the Asian community. The casting choice is especially disturbing when the casting of an Asian actor in the role would be an important and significant opportunity to break the usual pattern of casting Asians in minor roles. Uh, this ruling led to criticism from many, including the British Equity, citing violations of of, uh, of the principles of, of the artistic integrity and freedom. Uh, Producer Karen McIntosh threatened to cancel the show despite massive advance ticket sales. Uh, Arguments used in Jonathan Price's favor to help sway the the decision was that the character is Euro-Asian, meaning he is French and Vietnamese. So they argued that Price was being discriminated against on the basis of he was Caucasian.
1: (laughs) (coughs) I wish everyone could see my face right now. Yeah. It's not your role, friend. Not your role. Never was no. your role. You are amazing. Yeah. Uh, not, not your role. In fact, Rupert yeah, Sheldrake. Not your story. Yeah. But which you're gonna get into.
0: Yeah. But either way. So that was the one argument. The other argument was that Price was considered by many in Britain to be a star, uh, like, a, like a big star status casting decision. Like and, at, and because of that, the cause that allows a well-known foreign actress to recreate a role on Broadway without an American casting call. So, ultimately, the pressure's built uh, from Macintosh to the general public and many of its own equity members, uh, so Actors' Equity revised their decision. The other hurdle uh, was, with, was with Lea Salonga in regards to her citizenship, as she was neither British nor American. Uh, Salonga is. Um, Philippine, and 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 the Actors Equity wanted to give priority to its own members, uh, initially preventing her from reprising the role. So MacIntosh uh, went along with their wishes and did another big casting search, particularly in America and Canada. However, he was unable to find a satisfactory replacement for Persilonga. For so the show opens. It, however, it was nominated for ten Tony nominations, including Best Musical, Best Director. Right your Best Book and Score. Uh, however, it lost basically all its awards to the Will Rogers Follies. It, uh, however, won major awards for Lance Longa, Jonathan Price, and Pinton Battle as, a, a, as Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Actress. But yeah, in 2014, uh, there was a major West End revival mounted to coincide with the 25th anniversary of the musical. Mm. Uh, the musical once again did a worldwide search for Kim, and they found Filipino and Mexican-American actress Ava Zida, who was currently starring on Broadway in Hades Town. Oh, awesome. Uh, but she was cast, uh, and they also hired Filipino-American actor John John Briones as the engineer. John John had been
1: in the ensemble in the original London production. He's the... John John was the one that is on that video though. Correct. The anniversary. Correct. He's phenomenal. He is. He really is. Um,
0: like, and he and he had played the engineer before that. Like he had played the engineer on tours and later on in its run down the road. And then and then when they were redoing the show, they brought him into audition again.
1: He's he's gifted. Wonderful. Like he, he is. He's special and and yes. just ah uh, is so good. He
0: was. He was in the second season of American Crime Story playing the father of, of, of Andrew Kananen, who was quite a, a slimy businessman who cheated the family out of a lot of money. Uh, but, he, but he's a wonderful actor. Every time you see him pop up in something, it's wonderful. So he is fantastic. But yes, he was cast as the engineer. Uh, and the production ultimately transferred with Ava and John John to Broadway in 2017 hes He's brilliant he is he really is uh so let's get into the bigger criticisms that the show has faced. So the show has faced repeated protests in regards to the topics of orientalism, racism, and misogyny in 2010 Fulbright Hayes scholar D Haidu Haruma states that it is time to see the real Vietnam, not the Miss Saigon version. whether or not America is ready to see a, a is a, a, is the real one is up to question. Then also Vietnamese American activist, Dennis uh, Hune uh, recounts her experience attending the production and the stereotypes made her feel physically ill. Sarah Bellamy, co-artistic director of the Penumbra Theater dedicated to African American theater states, it gets, it, it gets a lot easier to wrap your head around all of this for folks of color when you remember a, a key point. This work is not for us. It is by and for white people using people of color, tropical climes, pseudo-cultural costumes and props, violence and tragedy, and the commodification of people and cultures to reinforce and reinscribe a narrative about, West, uh, about white supremacy and authority.
1: Yeah. Bravo to... Um... Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah Bellamy, very, very accurate. Yes. Uh,
0: there has been attempts to try and uh, have discussions about it. The Overture Center for the Arts, who was hosting a touring production in Mrs. Legon in April 2019, had scheduled a panel discussion to showcase Asian-American perspectives on the musical's treatment of, of Asian characters. The center then postponed the panel discussion indefinitely, prompting a teach-in by the panel's organizers and scheduled speakers. A quote uh, by Nancy Vo of Freedom Inc. Says, shame on overture for making a profit off the bodies of the Asian bodies and Asian lives. If, If you are a white woman, you should be outraged because this play pits white women against Asian women. You should be outraged that it does this, that does that because we ought to be working together. Another great quote. Yes. All those. Yeah. All those. Yeah. Oh, one more fun fact before we move on. I love is that. that in Toronto, the Princess of Wales Theatre, mm. which is one of the big Mervish theatre houses, was built uh, specifically for Miss Saigon yeah. because yeah. there was no theatre in Toronto that could house the helicopter. All right. So, Autumn, why don't you tell us your first experiences with this show? Because you've never seen it live. You've never seen it live. So, how did you come to this?
1: I came, to, <laughs> I came to this show in my teens. Like, okay. when 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 did it come out? When was the first year ninety ninety eighty no. eighty? 91, well, ninety
0: one, well, ninety one was Broadway, mm. and then it came out in, in the West End, in the in
1: the in the in, the, in, the, in like eighty nine. Yeah, okay, eighty nine. I bought the soundtrack, listened to it all the time. I was that kid. I was sixteen. I was. Mm. Music, I was a total musical theater geek as I am today, self professed. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes, that is me. Uh, now I just talk about it on a podcast. Um, but go. I heard it and I sang the duet, uh, a duet version of Movie in My Mind. And nice. uh, just you know, it was so not my song to sing. Nope, no. Um, know that now didn't, when I was 16, that conversation wasn't happening. Yeah. In Austin. Well, that's the whole point. We learn and we grow. We learn and we grow. Um, but I loved it. I love the music. I think mm-hmm. it's beautiful. Uh, I watched the Tony award clip. I was in awe. Mm-hmm. I was awestruck. I was like, this is the most amazing thing. There's a helicopter on stage. That's where I was at 16 and, and uh, in my youth. And now, and now here I am, a, a different person with a much different perspective. So, for me, I came to this thanks to the
0: original London two cast cassette yeah. that my parents had because they went and saw the Toronto production and bought the cassette.
1: Nice. I
0: think, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was part of their honeymoon. There we go. My parents were the ones that got the cassette. They gave it to me. And I listened to it occasionally growing up, but it wasn't one that I came back to a lot. I basically listened to it once in a while because I was like, oh, you're the same people who did Lame Is, but I couldn't understand the story from just listening to the cassette. Because I, did, I didn't know the Vietnam War, I didn't know the history that went into it. So there's a lot of chunks to the show, like, like, the, um, like the *Morning of the dragon, which we'll get into, but like that whole sequence, if you don't know what the history is, and you're just listening to the music. You're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not getting the story here. Um, yeah. It, but Lame is is a, much, is a much simpler story to follow <laughs> for a child. Okay. So we're shaking it up a little bit in, in, in how we're doing the next section, which normally we do our top three songs we like, and then top three songs we either would skip or cut. But since we both love the music of this show, what we've done instead is we're doing our top three songs of act one and then top three songs of act two. Because there's so much music in this show that you just couldn't pare it down to top three overall, and plus also, a lot, there's really no song that we, that we'd want to cut. So Autumn, what is
1: your first uh, top song of Act One? I'm gonna preface all of mine. Mm-hmm. I'm basing these solely on music. Yes. And and I'd like to out of context almost.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I like I like the musicality of these songs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All of my songs are highly problematic.
0: Okay. So what is your first one?
1: The movie in my mind. Did not make my list. I love the song. I love it. It is a gorgeous song. Um, it's, it's an I want song. hmm uh, For a minor character who only appears in like that scene and basically is gone. That. Yeah. I, I, it's, yeah. just, um, it's great. But it's also this, you know, it's, it's elevating this Western ideal. Mm -hmm. Like this movie, movies being predominantly done by Americans. Yep. um, You know, and uh, all she needs is a man to take her to America. It's problematic, but it's so beautiful. (laughs) It's very beautiful.
0: It's very beautiful, but it shows that perpetuation of Western ideals that were creeping in all over the world yeah. and just how that affected everybody in the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I, and it's I, yeah. that whole thing of how else is she going to get out of, of, of war-torn Vietnam? Yeah. How else is she going to get to America? Because they weren't, it wasn't like they were welcoming in a whole bunch of refugees, <laughs> or anything like that. Historically speaking, it would like it wasn't a big thing. So the only way really to get out was to um, marry a or, or, or to get a GI to marry you or take you back and then marry. True. I choke. So oh. <laughs> I said something that made you choke. <laughs> you did. Yeah. Ah. But that that's kind of it. I mean it's it's a beautiful, <laughs> haunting melody.
1: Yeah. And it's dreaming of a better life.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? It's but and they're also calling the Americans out on their bullshit, basically. Like the first <laughs> lyrics of that song are. They are not nice. They're mostly noise. They swear like men. They screw like boys. Yeah. But yet at the same time, she goes, I need somebody like that to get me out of this mess. Yeah. So
1: I mean, it's, yeah. it's
0: a gorgeous song. It's a gorgeous song. <clears throat> it is. It is a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. Just
1: problematic.
0: Yeah. Okay. So my number one, though, is The Heat is On in Saigon.
4: To win Miss Saigon You got it I gotta get my made As a last souvenir I love you pal But your bullshit I've had up to here. It's about time you man. get laid The I heat is on, is on in Saigon. Saigon But till they tell us we're gone I'm gonna buy you a girl You can buy me a beer The
0: big opening to Act 1 <laughs> And it's such a great opening company number It throws the audience into the heat of the moment Literally Like Uh, like right away you're in sensory overload both visually and sound wise you're meeting all these central characters like chris like the engineer like Tim, like john and Gigi. like you get to track all these people it captures that chaotic nightclub atmosphere it's very cinematic where you're once again you're cutting in from big ensemble shots to spotlight on kim having her solo moment and then and then it's that, oh, Jesus, John, who is she? Bum, 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 bum.
4: All of the girls know much more to say, but I know I have a heart like the sea. A million dreams are in me. Oh, Jesus, John, who is she?
0: Lights like, built out again. and Now you're back in the big ensemble moment. And musically, it's so catchy. Where as an audience, you're like, oh yeah, this is like a great kind of fun opening. And then the minute you get, the minute it all slows down to in my mind, you go, oh, we're actually, like, what are we actually talking about here? What am I actually watching? I'm watching these poor um, Vietnamese women being exploited by these Americans. And objectified and objectified and it's awful but yet at the start you're totally on the you're totally kind of buying into this catchy beat this kind of a very western sound uh because throughout the show you have this very pentatonic scale being underlay throughout but like this is one of the few songs where it's very western sounding it sounds very kind of Rogers and Hammerstein yeah, it's, kind of, it's very bombastic and you, look, you also get wonderful like double witty lyrics here, where you have like the fact time about like, the heat is on in Saigon, but that's a mix of the are talking about the temperature being hot, but then also the fact that like the heat of the situation is rising here because we know that like the we're, we're, gonna about, get to, we're about we're about to get late, but then also it's the heat of the fall of Saigon is coming like that impending. In, in Heat wave is is it's descending on them and i mean also it just, it just also captures the it already sets up the americans guilt and disinterest in this war Which you have the lines like the stink is making me choke turns out this war is a joke turns out the joke is on you so right away you're already getting that concept of american disinterest in the vietnam war and how they weren't invested basically they were there to party and kind of take advantage of of, of, of these people yeah because by the, so, so you're getting all this kind of set up in this really kind of big num- number. It is also setting up the concept of the feeling of failure by the Americans, which just ties back to Chris a lot, as because he's representing that this perpetual feeling of I have failed in my job as an American, and it's already being set up in those first few lyrics of the soldiers singing in the bar. Yeah. I... So it's a very it's a very interesting opening number. Like like it's one of those it, multifaceted. It, it, it well what well, what well, pulled off opening numbers where uh, where somebody could try this and it could fail miserably because having to do so much work in the first song like that is daunting and you need somebody who's smart lyrically and musically to really carry all that information through
1: so well, and them like the there it felt like there were no consequences in a way
0: for the american go and, and and yet we'll see the ripple effect of that throughout the show
1: well, you saw right. coming it, up in Act it Two. Through, it is through Chris. Yes. Like we get to see the ripple effect. It's yes. very evident in his son. Correct. You know, but it's mm-hmm. like, again, America fighting a war that they should not be involved in.
0: Bingo. That's exactly it. And it's still happening today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Autumn, what is your number two? I still believe.
1: I love the, the women singing together. Mm-hmm. It's a nice duet. It is a nice, it, I like the love songs. I'm sorry. but It doesn't pass
0: the Bechdel test. But it's
1: not, it's not a love song per se. It's, it's a searching song. It's again, it's an
0: I want song in a it's, way. It's, it's, it's that, almost like my friends from Sweeney Todd where you have two people singing, not at each other, but kind of across
1: each other. Yeah. Where but their narratives, narratives are there's a shared purpose in it. Correct. And I think I I love the introduction of Ellen here. I love yes. I love Ellen as a character. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's 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 a hard one. Like it's a hard character to do. She
0: has a very limited stage time to make the audience sympathize with her. And it's it's important that you introduce her in act one. So we then, you as an audience, are jarred by her appearance at the top of Act Two. Well, and you don't
1: go, ah, oh, that stole Chris crisp, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct.
0: But yet you get what she's coming from with this, where she's dealing with this man with basically PTSD, where he's waking up in the middle of the night screaming yeah. and shaking, and she's having to figure this out. <laughs> A really beautiful um, character, and this song absolutely
1: captures that dual love. And where it, it's a it's a love duet but it's not to each other no well it's weird kim is singing to both her
0: son and to chris at the same time
1: yeah in in a way but it's really about chris and about their shared love even though they don't know it's shared
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you know you know this 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 fervent hope that things will get better. She that he mm-hmm. is the it's also incredibly problematic that he is the salvation
0: well it's once again catching that american idea that john wayne's gonna come over the hill and save the day
1: but even for it's ellen a- like even for ellen that you know she she is his in a way i will hold you all night i will make it all right you can mm-hmm. count on me right
4: it's all over i'm here there's nothing
1: Um, like it's almost she's in servitude to him to make him better to make him you know so it becomes it's such a beautiful song but it really is all about the man and you know it's a little but it's so beautiful like the it is i could listen to the song on repeat and sing along Mm -hmm. and whatever i'll just sing la 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 instead of the lyrics
0: (laughs) fair enough
1: okay beautiful All right. Uh, It's true. It's a beautiful duet.
0: Uh, My number two is The Morning of the Dragon. Yeah, that's great. It's a great song. fascinating piece of musical theater where it's the biggest leap in the show where the audience goes from this beautiful love duet between Kim and Chris uh-huh. with the I think it's Sun and Moon it, it, that's that, that's their
2: <coughs> duet at
0: that moment in the show
2: I'm pretty yeah, sure it's, it's Sun and
0: Moon last night of the world sorry last night of the world they have so many freaking love duets in this show for those two um but uh they but yeah so so last night in the world they have this beautiful moment and then they run off stage and all of a sudden you now transport the audience three years ahead and it's totally jarring but yet once again this show pulls it off by doing simple lines from the engineer such as three
4: years of school was nice in rice fields planting rice you did good work you see re-educating me Three years, how quick they move. Look how the world's improved. Saigon, that queen of sin, renamed for Ho Chimin.
0: Right away, you got them. It's like, okay, I know where I'm at in the story. Yeah. But that but it's, it, it's, it's a very, it's not as easy as people think as making that jump. Writing that type of jump and trusting your audience to make that leap is not as easy as you think it is. And they pulled this moment off. They did. And, Absolutely. And, and the visuals are so beautiful. It's, <laughs> this, it's Once again, it's this anniversary parade that's being thrown in, in Vietnam in the new um, uh, uh, Ho Chi Minh City, mm-hmm. formerly known as Saigon. Uh so you have all these great kind of dragons and and um and and, and flags flying. It's very patriotic. Uh it's it very is. similar to what we see today with things like videos from North Korea and uh yeah. and things like that. It's and it's regimented. It's it's very much about a regime. It is. It totally yeah. is. And you know, once again it talks about and once again, as the audience, you kind of are kind of getting into this song until you realize, oh, they're talking about how they defeated America. And, uh, and then you have great lyrics. and Like these, these are some of my favorite lyrics, which, uh-huh. is, which is like, for example, may all, may all our children learn the tide of right will turn giants fall tigers burn someday with the dawn they're gone or, or, um, who lives a lie must change or die. And not like, there's so much going on. And it's that concept that a country will, not even distort history, but they'll portray it off
1: in that victorious version that's
0: better for them.
1: It's problematic because it's written, not written, written by two French people Mm -hmm. and one American who are imposing their Western sensibility on this song.
0: Correct. It's their view of how they think the North Vietnamese acted.
1: Like, I wonder if the North Vietnamese were to write a version of the song, what it would sound like. That would be interesting. So, yeah, there, there we go. Consultation was had about that.
0: Probably not. Nope.
1: This <laughs> sounds like something they would sing. Let's go with that. Anna, yeah. what is your number three? Well, I'm mixing it up. I'm 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 doing a little shift here. Okay. Um, it's kind of a combo these, these okay. things go together okay. it goes from You Will Not Touch Him
4: You Will Not Touch Him
1: into this is the hour.
0: I, I, it is my number three as well
1: yay i actually we have a match this as number one actually because i, I find tui such mm-hmm. an interesting character mm-hmm. like he is very much about um upholding tradition yes and that is what he knows and that's what makes him complicated he is not the villain of the piece he is fighting for what has been passed down to him, this legacy, mm-hmm. traditional mindset, which is akin yes. to what Tevye would do. Or, you know Correct. what I mean? Like, yes. there's, this, there's this situation mm-hmm. um, that is outside his realm of existence, like uh, understanding. Yes. Mm-hmm. So of course the child should die to him. Like that, that must... Yes. And the guy, I'm not sure who played it in the version that you sent me, but he was fantastic. You could tell it was complicated and he loved her and he didn't want to just own her. He didn't understand. He was lost. Mm As much as Chris was lost, only with a little bit more depth. Yes. Uh, And it's it's Kim fighting. Like, I like I like that she is given a voice. I like that she is unafraid to protect her child. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. And that makes her a strong character. Yeah. He is a survivor. So, and then this is the hour, it's that reclamation.
0: It's such a great moment. its It's powerful. It knocks me off my feet every time we get to that moment in the show. But you're absolutely right. Like, like Tui is such a fascinating bit of character work that well, needs to be done. And he's, and you're right. He's not a villain. Is he? Is he the antagonist of the story?
1: And for Kim, yes. But is he a villain? No. But there are many antagonists for Kim. Everyone there are an antagonists to Kim. It's true. Kim is he, an he's he's just the one for that chapter of the story. Everyone else is an antagonist. Chris, yeah. he leaves her. He's he screws off and goes and marries someone else you've got ellen she she's an antagonist to kim you've got the engineer yeah. antagonist to Kim. yeah you've got you know john who was the initial buyer of kim for Chris. you've got toy who was the betrothed in an arrangement yes. like mm-hmm. they're all they're like they're all against her in a way yeah yeah she's against the world basically it's up yeah battle for that that character and Mm -hmm. um yeah shoot him (laughs) well that's exactly it
0: like i I, I, I have to say the most powerful lyrics for me in this whole show and there's a lot of great lyrics in here but it's that you will not touch him don't touch my boy he's what i live for he's my only joy and i'm sure autumn now that you're a mom with kids Mm. I'm sure those lyrics mean a lot more to you now that you have that connection don't to having the children.
1: Yeah. Don't, don't touch any of them. You will yep. you will not you do not want the rest.
0: No, that's exactly it. Like I've seen my mom be a mama bear, but never to this extreme. But I know that she would, if push came to shove, she would take the shot. And like she said it. Like and it's that powerful moment where as an audience you're siding with Keith, even though she's committing murder. And killing off the last part of her family because Toy is her cousin in the, in the script, yeah. um, but she's killing she's killing off the last connection she has to her family. But yet, as an audience, we're totally on side with it because for us, we go
2: off her family. we would
1: do the, exactly the same thing. She's got one remaining person left. Well, her son. Killing off the tradition. She's yes. You're pulling off the shackles. Correct. Of the new regime through her actions. Yeah. Like yes. he wants freedom. Mm-hmm. I th- I think you know it's an interesting. That's an mm-hmm. interesting metaphor that they have painted there by killing him yeah. off, her, like the cousin of Kim. and
0: Yes, so, very true. Anyway, but yeah, that whole sequence leading leading with this the hour. It's very do you hear the people sing that moment. Like it's that it is. It is. It's that huzzah. It's that it's that resolve hour. This is our land. We hold the power in the palm of our hand. Yeah. And it's like those that, that this is the hour song can be taken and applied to a whole bunch of different situations. Oh, sure. Like like mind you, you have to do some lyrical changes because it does talk about Ho Min at the end there. But the mm-hmm. concept of this song that like this is the hour, this is our moment. This is coming right now. Formation. correct. It's good. It's so good, and it's and the fact that it's done basically almost a cappella, and it's just the entire oh, cast. It's that blasting correct. full out, and then the orchestra comes in with that, like that big <laughs> build, and then it's that final verse. It's like, oh. In a song of joy. I cannot wait till I get to see this show live at some point. It is
1: highly operatic.
0: It's so operatic. It's so freaking operatic, this moment. It's beautiful. Um, okay, so now we segue into Act Two. Autumn, what is your number one?
1: Please.
4: I dream so hard. I, can't like this. I kept my bed. I should not be the one. And now it's true. Christmas
0: not make my list
1: I I, uh I really it's it's just full and the debate and the that struggle to tell her Mm -hmm. to see like it's so complicated it is and you
0: feel for both characters where it's like yeah John I get why you don't want to tell Kim this moment because how could you like you like she's so emotionally raw and excited it's like how
1: can you be the one to bear the bad news really it's not your place to tell no it's not but it's interesting john is such an interesting character because he's such a wiener in act he is he is and then he comes yeah. back in act two and changes like a, but then it's like this bearing of guilt mm-hmm. and that the weight of it and the con mm-hmm. like the it's constant for him
0: yes um
1: that's why he starts the bly doi foundation the Um, the, the, please though it's such a beautiful duet it's it's gorgeous it's Mm -hmm. full it's full of a huge debate it yeah struggle and Mm -hmm. it's messy and Mm uh painful to watch i i love it it's true, it's very Shakespearean in that moment where you're like,
0: if only things had been said a little bit differently in this moment, maybe the ending would have turned out differently. Yeah. But because John can't bring himself to basically break Kim's heart, he basically passes the buck and ultimately gets passed to Ellen, who is probably the worst person to tell Kim the situation, unfortunately. And no. and but yet Kim's moment in that in that moment is so Heartbreaking because she's so excited Like, she has that line tam we could be breathing the same air as your father he's finally here
4: please i already know this story take us to the usa when we're finished here you'll see him chris arrived with me today He's here, he's so near. We might breathe the same tonight. Your father's here.
0: I, I came across in a little rinky dink boat in shark infested waters. i I, I, I process you to myself to survive just for you. And now you see our dreams are coming true.
1: And it's like our hope. Our, our hope. hope is here. Yes. Uh, in that, it's also problematic. Uh, because. Oh, of course
0: but Let's once again how else is she going to get
1: out of her situation to save us
0: well how else is she going to get out of her situation she is a she starts off she's she says what what's her first line i'm 17 so she's 17 when she starts so maybe she's 18 19 by the end of the show mm-hmm. what's she going to do 20. to get out she's so For, at the beginning and three right, years so later, three years so 20 so she's 20 still 20 so, year old person who has very little education probably how is she gonna to emigrate to America without the papers? And the fact that she has the son who was who, who born of a GI gives her that special X factor that she can use to get out. So, I, I mean, of course, it's It's great that it has to be the white guy that has to come in and try and save her. No, but she's using the best thing she has possible. Mm. My number one song of act two is Buidoy. They're
4: called Buidoy. The dust of life Conceived in hell And born in strife We owe them fathers and a family A loving home they never knew Because we know deep in our hearts That they are all our children too These are souls in they need us to give someone has to pay for their chance to
1: live the kickoff to act two oh, it's not on it i do love it i, love I
2: have this song.
1: I, yeah
0: i mean it's it's a fascinating way to kick off act two because we forget that chris and john have been gone for the latter half of act one yeah, like the whole final bit of Act One, they're not there, and they're kind of no. a forgotten element. But yet, when we come back to Act Two, we jump into their side of the story. But yet, Kim's presence is still there because of her son, and the whole concept of them talking about Weidoi, which is what her Huyi-doi. son is, and the fact that that the way the way they dramaturgically we're able to get back to the story of Kim of of, of John and Chris, but still have Kim's presence be felt throughout that entire first part of Act Two because we get. The boy doi, then we get the follow up scene after that where where chris finds out that kim's alive and that that she has the son yeah um so it takes a bit to get back to that to them in act two but the fact that she's still there all through the first part is really fascinating it's really a great bit of writing that they did uh and it all and yet it's also kind of a really neat way of kind of beating the audience a bit where it's like listen we as western cultures go into these places rip them apart and then we leave and we leave behind all these remnants of things. And it's wrong. The fact that we went into Vietnam, we slept with all these people, we left these children who are now being basically locked in cages and shunned by society because they're half American. It's well, they're, awful. They're it's, it, 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 it,
1: against a the system. hmm and, and the fact that
0: it's like,
2: the, hey uh, audiences,
1: this no is, is what happens. Within the new system they're yeah. traitors because of their yes. uh, heritage. Yeah, because their parentage, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's what this song does. It, it it gives that bigger world picture to the audience going, listen, we may be talking about Bui Doi, but every time we've gone into a war, except maybe World War II, because um, we were fighting the Nazis and that was a communal fight against a particular group that needed to go. Um, but... Like everything else, like you had the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the War on Terror. All these times we have gone in down the road, it just we just go in and we destroy things. And we don't help in the, in, in the way we want to. We're doing what we think is best. It's that white savior coming in to fix the world. And it's like, piss off and leave the world alone. You don't need to be there. And that's what the song is basically telling the world. It's saying, look at what you do. And you got to do something about it if you if, if, if you break if you break an area, you got to do something to help it. And the whole concept of the blue Joy Foundation that John's a part of is kind of being the surrogate for that. I don't know that's for, just for me like that song just speaks to me on more levels than just a good opening to act two.
1: Yes i yes, I hear mm-hmm. you. but there's mm-hmm. also this savior complex again.
0: But that's the whole Western complex, though. In general, that's I what we know. are.
1: I know, but it's problematic. But and problematic—that's what's gotten us into trouble all these times. And I—I I think it'd be interesting. I don't know. I think it's too...
2: Ah, we are the good. Ah,
0: but mean, they're not yes. the good. John says that we—we we were not the good. We were wrong. Like, uh, uh, but I, I, now I, we were say,
1: good. Now we're good, and we're going to fix all our mistakes.
0: But it's the point if they're trying to fix some mistakes.
1: It's something we have to do. Nah, I don't know. It, it it comes across like the Western saviors again. Like, oh, we've done all this harm instead of having a song where John is like, I, I can't cope. I can't. Mm. It would be way more interesting to see him unravel. Mm. Than to heighten himself to this savior-like position. And interesting, the Vietnamese term Bui Doi refers to vagrants in the city. So Kim, in essence, is also a Bui Doi. Oh, there you go. Um, Or uh, I don't know if this is the proper pronunciation. I've just found this link. Okay. But it's Tre Bui Doi, which refers Mm -hmm. to the street children, right? Okay or juvenile gangs. Okay. Um, I, I I, don't know. I think there's a little bit of, of, we've ruined the world, but by all means, we will save you. What is your number two? This is hard, but I'm going with the American dream.
0: Didn't make my list. There what? Two- I know, Warner. I know. I love it.
1: Oh, there are two. It would be the top of your list. That
0: I love. I love that song a lot. But there were two other songs that I was like, they're stronger for Act Two than in the American Dream. Because the American Dream. Well, here you talk about it first, and I'll kind of give my reasons no, why it doesn't the, quite make my list. The
1: American Dream, if done properly. Is akin to I'm reviewing the situation. Yes, that's exactly where it, it is. It is the 11 o'clock show stopping, mm-hmm. I want number, all completed soliloquy song. Yes. Smushed together. Mm-hmm. It is. It is about commercialism. Mm-hmm. It's about this. And in it, you look at it. From my perspective, I look at it and go, that's what you want? Do you, like, the consequence of that, like, having things does not mean having freedom. Mm -hmm. And the engineer is so interesting that way. Yes. Uh, And it's complex, and it's messy, and it's questioning, Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. tangible, and Mm -hmm. we and he doesn't get it and he takes a fall like Willy Loman like like all of the he takes a massive fall yes and i think the end of that journey and that's that want still mm-hmm. of going somewhere to the people that have screwed him over time and time again it's true uh He's just as exploited as Kim
0: is by by the Americans repeatedly. Completely, they're all,
1: and yeah, and and I think it's interesting. I think it's com- It's it's, a bit, so, it's so complicated. It's a very
0: complicated song, and I also think it's interesting that he's talking about the lights in Times Square and all that great stuff. But when you think about it, this is mid seventies where he's talking, and what was Times Square, but really a giant pornography dirty seedy area of new york but yet yeah, he's talking about it like this great american place to be and it's that whole concept of people idealize the world they they're not in
1: yeah yeah i find it i find it i find it fascinating yes exactly
0: Yeah, up. yeah. the american dream great second choice and <laughs> it almost made my list but there were two others that beat it out okay. the, my my second choice though is the fall of saigon
4: they go, John, I can't leave her Why in the world should I be saved instead of her? The tears will Don't leave us behind here It's not you war war, the school It is some dreams get smashed, perhaps, as best they were There's no one to point here They have left us behind here Wake up, my friend, your mercy trip has failed There's nothing you can do, that ship has sailed She's not the only one, we'll have betrayed. Get to the room us, we be shaved the yeah.
0: climactic moment of act two where we've been waiting throughout the entire show for this very big moment and then you get it in this very cinematically which is a flashback where all of a sudden you're jumping back in time again <laughs> as an audience it's like so cinematic in fact you get the the helicopter and the fact that it's one of those things that is such a big piece of theater history where everybody remembers the helicopter that is something where MacIntosh was first talking about doing a revival of Miss Saigon the reporter asks him so is there going to be a helicopter in this revival like people like that's just such a big concept for this moment and it and it cuts and once again it's that great concept of cut between big ensemble cinematic wide shot to close-up yeah. actor. Moment like like you have that craziness between Kim and Chris the whole time, and then and then you got and then you got the people running around on stage like it's such like I, I it's, it's it's huge and you watch the moment in the revival, it's so cinematic with the way they shot that moment like it it, it's uh, yes. uh, like you got them breaking through and the fact that really the set is only these gates that swing around so you can either be on the outside or the inside of the embassy he's really kind of neat with the fact they kept it really simple except for the except for the helicopter
1: at the end which is more of a projection in lights he nailed it it looks Mm -hmm. like a bunch of scaffolding with some gates and he nailed it he just he knows because he is an opera director Mm -hmm. he knows how to stage epic moments and it's a skill now He's also, you know, worked on his naturalism and specificity of action since that time. Mm -hmm. But it's a very different skill set to direct opera. Like you have to, it's it's very outward, Mm -hmm. and um, this is a moment that's very Mm -hmm. outward. Yes, you
2: know.
0: Oh, so outward, and it's so big. But yet at the same time, it's so on stage. It's a helicopter, but at the same time, it's so big, We at the same time, you're rooting for these two people in a crowd that are just trying to get to each other. And you're desperately wanting them to, but you know it's not going to end well. Yeah. And also, I went back yeah, last night, and I, and I rewatched some of the actual news footage of the fall mm-hmm. of Saigon. And I looked at it and went, Bubliel and Schomburg and, um, what's his name, um, uh, Maltby, mm-hmm. capture that moment perfectly in the, in the music and in the lyrics. Like I, 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 the fact you have the people saying, "We'll be shot if we're found here. Like you have to save us. Like we have basically put our our lives in your hands. When if you leave us behind, we're dead. Like and, and you feel that pain. It's like you want to. You get that whole concept of being a savior, where you're seeing these people and you're like, I want to save you, but I can't. There's no way I can save all of you in this moment. Like like yeah. it sets up that failure that because right after this you have. Um, Ellen and Kim meeting, and then you have Chris's breakdown, where where he talks about his feeling of failure. And because you've seen these flashbacks of recently where you see him reacting to this fall, you get why he's so traumatized by what's happened to him in this moment. Because it's not just him failing Kim; it's him realizing how badly they failed the greater world of Saigon
1: as they fly away. Because they shouldn't have been there. Well, of course, that's us knowing they shouldn't have been there. But, you know, you feel, it, it's so interesting having just done a war piece. Yes. You feel for the the soldier because they're yes. just, it, it's what they know how to do. So they go mm-hmm. and do it and yeah. they're put in situations that are beyond, beyond them. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they too are, they are, are fighting on behalf of a regime. Yes. And uh, so, in that, it's powerful, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You feel for Chris. You feel for John in a way, too. Yeah. Well, John's stuck in the same way where he has to
0: pull Chris back. Yeah. And he's realizing just like I either lose my friend uh, as as well as my mission, yeah. or or I can save my friend, but I know he, but I know what's going to happen to him when he gets back. He's going to be hurt and traumatized.
1: And even well, and even I- John is traumatized by it too. I think anyone that has seen Battle is Trump. Mm. I, I don't... Yes. uh Don't get me started. Don't... Me- I won't. I won't. I won't. I won't. But yes, there we go. My...
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But There we go. My number two is The Fall of Saigon. It's one of those moments I look forward to one day, if the revival ever does come back to Toronto, which it was supposed to do this spring. This is the one moment I'm looking forward to seeing live on stage just to see that chaos. Yeah. Because... And and mind you, this is the, yeah. This is why I think this movie or this musical would work as a, a, as a movie musical. Oh, totally. It's because this se- a movie musical. I know, but like this sequence alone is like you could totally see how you could do this a, a, as an actual movie.
1: My number three is uh-huh. well, it changed. It's it's now that I've seen her, and now it's called a maybe. That's why number three, too.
4: Should I be the one to stop your dream from leaving? If you're hers, then be hers and forget about me. I've been blind for so long that perhaps I can see. The strength I need to set you free. Now, I'll be strong, I'll stand firm so my tears won't betray me. But my heart might just break. I was, ho-
0: I was hoping you would have that. Because, oh.
1: well, we, you know, it's. Ellen is a thankless character. I mean, she is. we, she is set up to be, you know, not likable. She reminds me of Svetlana from Chess. Yes. Like, Same type of position. My God. Exactly. And exactly. And I still believe as I know him so well. Exactly. And they worked with ABBA. It's all coming yeah. together now. It's true. Oh, so relations. Um, yeah, I just, I like that we get her perspective. We get the complexity of this character through the song. Mm-hmm. Um, what an awful situation to be in. It's unimaginable. Like, what do you do in this moment?
0: And I have to say, between my between the, the fact they've rewritten this moment three times to try and get the song right, I think they nailed it with maybe. Because, once again, ellen is a tricky character to get right
2: yeah.
0: and and i and i went back and re-listened to now that i've seen her and what i found was was that ellen was still too much of the aggressor in that song where she's much more i'm gonna fight for him i'm gonna go down and get him like if it comes down to her or me i swear i'll fight which is makes her a bit more villainous or yeah. not villainous but like aggressive meanwhile maybe on the other hand i think is better because it comes across as a stream of consciousness song. Where it's, n- it's not heavy on the belting. It's more just her having a monologue on stage. It's almost like yes. a to be or not to be moment. Where she is sitting in a chair. Thinking about what do I do? Like it's a mix of hope and fear. It's just her weighing out her options. And her resigning herself to being like. If I have to step aside. Because Chris really wants to be with her. Then I'll have to do it. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll take the higher ground in this moment. Absolutely, and I, uh, uh, I and, like and, that. And try. Yeah, it makes her a better character because she's not saying I'm going to fight for her I, I, for Chris. Instead, I'm going to
1: do what's best for him in this moment. Yeah, it's very contemplative and it's very. It is. It um, is. And, it, and the fact they yeah, gave this song to a
0: minor character. Yeah,
1: yeah. She really <sighs> takes the high road, and I like that. She does. She
0: does. And it's, oh, it's such a. And it once again it shows the ripple effects of the war Uh where she is once again, a ripple effect of the story where she has no venom toward Kim where like Chris comes back, he's a broken man and she's there for him. She helps him get back to life basically. And he marries her and they're happy. And then all of a sudden this bombshell drops. And I'm happy that in a very operatic show, this song is basically done only on piano. It's very simple. The melody and the, and the orchestra in this moment—it basically falls away.
1: Well, it is a soliloquy. It is. And you're right. She does. She falls victim to, dare I say, in the words of uh, one Pankhurst, the cupidity of capitalism. Mm, bingo.
0: That's exactly
1: uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a
0: yeah. This the minute, the minute I saw heard this song, I went, okay, they figured out Alan. Like, it's taken them 25 years and three different songs to do it, but they have finally figured out who she is. And she's. Well, just they've given such her a...
1: death. They've given her death yeah. and they've given her struggle and they've not made mm-hmm. her just the other woman. Like, Correct. Ugh. Which is so easy to do in Love Triangle, where you make the
0: other person in that relationship the bad guy. It's like Toy. Yes. Toy, it's once again. One, once again. Yeah. But Ellen's I think, is more. Is more de- that in Toy, because
4: yeah. she
0: has this because Toy only ever comes in and he has songs, but they're always sung in some with somebody else. They're never you never get him alone. I
1: know, and that is a problem. We mm-hmm. get the white woman's uh struggle, but we don't get to see Toy's struggle exactly. Hello,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, but there we go. I'm glad that okay. Maybe made your list. Which one do you prefer
1: between now that I've seen her in Maybe? I like Maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like the tune of now that I've seen her. Yes. Um and they both present struggle, but I do like yeah. the mm-hmm. quietude of the latter. Mhm. So well yes, it's, you're right. It's a quiet moment before we ramp
0: up into the bat last bit of the show where you get the American dream, Chris's breakdown, Kim's death. Like it's a very high intense end of the show, but yet you have this quiet settled moment. Secondary of character song soliloquy. Yeah of all right yeah exactly she only gets two songs in the show really she gets she gets two she gets the duet with kim in act one and then she gets this in act two which is too bad which is like but it's so good it's so good okay all right i think we're ready to move on to the final part of the episode which is does this musical civil place today in musical theater culture should it be revived autumn where do you stand no I am I I'm I'm in agreement with you, and I have to say it. It's because it's not the right time, and with the world we're in now, where we're becoming more aware of how we represent other cultures and how and, and how and how we're telling stories. The show, unfortunately, is moving further and further away from what we need to do. Like in this show, all of the Asian actors are either cast as people in the background, evil uh, evil soldiers or generals prostitutes or pimps like that's not the story we need to tell anymore there's so many better stories where we can feature asian actors in in, in leading roles and in the fact that this is used as a catalyst of oh well this gives asian actors a chance to be the lead it's like well there's better stories you can tell write better stories you can tell for these people because they
1: deserve here, it here's what i would suggest mm-hmm. i don't think it is not without merit. I think some mm-hmm. of it is absolutely staggering. What I think they need to do, if they want to revive it, they mm-hmm. need to go back. Yes. To the beginning.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They need to find a team mm-hmm. to co-compose and co-write uh, mm-hmm. the book and the score. Mm-hmm uh so there is uh another perspective we are only getting this through the lens of two europe Euro, european mm-hmm. you know um western lens uh, yeah their their western lens their mm-hmm. their voice is the dominant voice and this mm-hmm. western savior crap <laughs> needs to go how of like we don't need America to save anyone else. It's not. Yeah. It's not working. It's it's nope. not working. Mm-hmm. Um, s- fix your own business. I think. I think it needs. I. I. It. It. I don't think. I know. It needs the Vietnamese perspective, and you needs them. You cannot justly produce this. Mm-hmm. You, also, you, you also
0: need you also need either a Vietnamese or an Asian director to actually direct the show. Considering both times it's, being done. it's <coughs> been done, done by, by a white director, you have Lawrence Connor and and Heitner doing it. Like you need something, you, you need more Asian perspective. Maybe you have it's just like people. doing. Maybe you have two I think that'd, that'd be great. I Why think not? that'd be good. Why I think that would be fantastic. But you know. I think you need that. It's 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 just like doing West Side Story. We need that Puerto Rican perspective to come back in, and we need to fix that part of this of the book. Same thing yes. here. Yes, it's, it's the same concept of West Side Story, where we need to go back in, we need to work on these pieces, and get the other side of the story that's not Western, amplified, and given the proper respect that it deserves.
1: Well, we we have to stop. Um... Augmenting otherness as something that is evil and bad mm-hmm. and opportunistic
2: mm-hmm. and
1: you know you look at you look at you're right, it's all pimps mm-hmm. and uh authoritarians and prostitutes, and yeah. uh then you get these western awesome guys that start foundations, you know it's like
3: yeah
1: <laughs> I am. Um, uh, I I yeah, I yeah. think it just needs I think it needs some love. It it needs some DDD, as you would say. Um, dramaturgical due diligence. I love how we've coined that term. Say, I'm gonna call this the DDDD, the diverse dramatical dramaturgical due diligence. Ooh, look at that. that. Um. Yeah. Because. Okay. It's, yeah. It needs the four Ds, this yes. one. Yes, it does. You know, it's uh, yeah. and that. That's why this should go on the shelf for a while, while Carousel can still be done.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And what you know, and uh, like the engineer as a character is fascinating, and I think you know the complexity yeah. of him is akin to Fagin. So I don't think he's a, a major problem. I mm-hmm. think he's a major problem if he's cast as a white man. And then you use yes. prosthetics to alter. No, no, that's bad. Yes. But I think his story is very fascinating. Explore that more. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: I have to agree. And on that note, <laughs> I think, Autumn, we can take off in a helicopter here and say this episode has, 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 has done its work. Uh, we want to thank everybody for listening to us once again. Thank you to Mr. Brody Weld for creating our fantastic theme music. Uh, Please do listen to his music. It's all over the different platforms. His his, his track of home decor is out there ready for you to listen to on Apple Music, uh, um, Bandcamp, Spotify, all those options. Be sure to give him some love because we love Brody and we want to make sure he's getting the love too um and if you and know it,
1: fellow musical theater lovers hook them up with our podcast we would we would love to have yes on our ventures yes spread the good word
0: as it were and yeah. be sure to follow us on instagram twitter and facebook all at before the downbeat yes. uh where we're posting all types of fun facts yeah. and clues and We're doing Playbill Musical Challenges on a daily basis, on our stories. Mm -hmm. So those are always fun to see what we're going to come up with on a daily basis for that. Uh, And then we also have our Patreon page at Before the Downbeat, where you can donate a little bit of money once a month to us. And we'll give you some extra bonus features such as movie musical commentaries. Who knows? Maybe we'll do a commentary track on Miss Saigon because we can watch that together and have another conversation. Uh, we also will do monthly movie news, uh, sorry, monthly theater news reviews, Ooh. where we'll talk about what's going on in the world of theater, what's coming up, what's going on with COVID and how it's coming back. And then we'll, talk, and then we, we'll do some top 10 uh, lists as well, where we could do top 10 opening numbers, top 10 um, white savior characters, who knows? Uh, <laughs> uh, all that type of good stuff. So be sure to check that out. Autumn, where do people find
1: you? Autumn DM Smith on all platforms. And you can uh, search my uh, theater company, Littlewood uh,
0: Smith. Sounds good. And you can Woo. find me on all social media platforms at Mackenzie Horner. Be sure to also check me out at Cup of Hemlock Theater, where I've been hosting some Shakespeare talk panels. In the meantime, though, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time, because... Yeah, that's it. I, I I have no I have no musical quote to end us. I mean, I guess the heat is on in Toronto because it is hot. But there we go. <laughs> but there we go, everybody. Yeah, we'll see there you we next go, time. everybody. <laughs> but and thanks. Bye. bye. bye.